Okay, so this morning we have been considering uh, the beauty of God manifesting himself, God the Father manifesting himself and revealing himself in his Son, through his Son, in us. And I love what that says in Zephaniah 3 and verse 17. It says that God himself is, is resting in his love and he and and what it says there, and he sings. He's singing over us. He's singing over us. And he he what he does there is is what he and what he's bringing out to us is that he himself is resting in his son in us. Isn't that amazing? God the Father, since he has been propitiated. By the Son in Genesis 22 and verse 8. Since that happened, and that's the burnt offering. So when you see, when you get to the book of Leviticus, you will, you will see where it talks about burnt offering. Burnt offering always refers to the Father being propitiated. So the burnt offering was something between the Father and the Son, period. And then as a result of that, we, we have the, the pleasure and the privilege and the awe and the respect to walk in holiness with those other offerings, the trespass, the sin offering, the peace offering, the wave offering. And we can see these things again in, in, in their beauty and the types that are revealed in Leviticus, those chapters in, in the book of Leviticus. So, and again, it's, it brings out the mercy seat in Exodus 25, 17. That's a 22. So, what a tremendous thing. He will joy over you, it says. He will joy over you with singing. Isn't that amazing? There's such joy that the Father has in his Son. And the joy that he has with his Son is the same joy that he has in us, seeing us in his Son. It's an amazing thing to think about. And that's why even in in Romans 5, 11, and it says, enjoy in him. And, and, and when we look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, we know that God himself is the cause, love. There's love. So when God the Father was propitiated by the Son, again, that was something that happened between the Father and the Son. Now we have, we have him as our advocate who has propitiated him. So we experience propitiation. This is 1 John 2, 1 and 2. And, that, and that's what that brings out very, very beautifully there. But we see this we, have this. we have this joy and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We know there it's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit as he is the teacher in 1 John 2, 20 and First uh, John two twenty seven, who takes the things of Christ in John sixteen thirteen and fourteen, and then he begins to show them unto us. And what he's doing there is that's why it's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit, because that fruit we see was the travail of Christ's soul as he was propitiating the Father, and then the Father thus being his justice and his love and justice and his integrity being met can offer him as the substitute. And this goes into Isaiah 53, uh, 10, 11, and 12. But really the whole 
a preponderance of Isaiah 53, 1 through 12. And so this is, this is what it, it brings out in the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5, uh, 22. Okay, so the fruit of the Spirit, okay, is what? First, it's love. Love. God singing over us, and we experience his joy. Isn't that just like the prodigal? The prodigal son in Luke 15, 11 to 32. As he was coming home, and he was, was in his, his ignorance, and, and ignorance meaning he wasn't experiencing the love that was his father's. And of course, when we experience his love, what do we experience? Joy. We have that joy. Again, that's Romans 5.11. We joy in him. What that means is we join in with him about the joy that he has with his son in us. And it's an amazing thing to think about uh, this morning. And uh, so again, again, there it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. That's the cause. And the other eight are all the effects of that love. And there's joy. And that's why it says in Psalm 16, verse 11, in his presence is what? Who is the fullness of the Father's joy? Well, obviously, it's Christ, his son. And because of that, there are pleasures evermore at his right hand. And that goes into what love, his love has so ple is so pleased in an eternal sense. It's, he's so pleased. And that's what teaches us in Ephesians 3 and verse 19, his love passes knowledge. Those are the pleasures forevermore that flow through the from the Father through the Son and the Son back to the Father and then to us with that love for all eternity. For all eternity, we each will experience that. So to experience uh, that love that we each will have in Ephesians 3, 19 goes into Revelations 2. In verse 17, we feast on that hidden manna, that hidden love life that we had, where even in the midst of sorrow, even in the midst of sorrow, in the of righteous suffering and sorrow that we go through, and even a sorrowing for, for sins that have been dealt with, a godly sorrow that doesn't have regret, there's always joy. There's a joy that is mingled with it. Same for Jesus. I mean, there was a joy that he had mingled in the midst of his unbelievable suffering. Now, just think of when he came to his own. Well, of course, in John 1 and verse 10, he came into the world, and the whole world under Satan knew him not, didn't think anything of him. John 1 11, it says, and he came unto his own, and his own outright rejected him. He, he just rejected him. And there is there is suffering in the midst of being rejected, but God will always, in his love, mingle joy with that. And he always does. And that's what makes it so necessary for us to have a broken spirit and a contrite heart in Psalm 34 and verse 18 and in Psalm 51 and verse 17. Those are beautiful sacrifices. And those that, that sacrifice there that we, we offer to him with a joy, and even in the midst of suffering, is in Hebrews 13 and verse 15. We offer the sacrifices of thanksgiving and praise to him. And I think it's an amazing thing 
uh, when we think about all these things and just how personal, how personal and intimate is God and his love for us. I mean, it just, God's love, and, and this is what we, this is what we understand when we understand the nature, character, and essence of God. So the essence of God is, of course, God is love. God is love. And what that means is that it became essential in the love of who God is in himself to have others to love. <laughs> it became a necessity for him. And of course, Christ was the one that met that necessity and propitiation uh, to his Father. And then for us, as a substitute whereby we become reconciled to him. And that's what we have the opportunity to do when we come to hear the word or when we're alone with him and the Holy Spirit when we're broken and, and treatable and yoked up to Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, the Holy Spirit can take that word and bring into our experience that love and that love that the father has for us is the fullness of the joy that his son has completed for him and that's why it says in colossians 2 and verse 10 and you and i are complete meaning we are filled up in him we are filled up in him and so we have the the privilege every uh, time we come to hear the word or when we're are broken and contrite and God doesn't lightly esteem that in Psalm 51 and verse 17 he doesn't lightly esteem that as we honor him and as we honor him he honors us with that with that love and that joy and the fruit of the Holy Spirit which is peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faith and meekness and temperance temperance is, is self under the control of the Holy Spirit that brings in this love and this joy. And even if our joy at times, joy, our time can be interrupted or disturbed, but our peace never is. It never is. Because Christ is our peace in Ephesians 2 and verse 14. And this is just bringing out, God bringing out this, this morning, just how essential. And it was his incredible desire to love us and not only to love us but for us to experience it and that's why that's why he gave us his son and in first john 4 and verse 17 that we're to have boldness in the day in the day of judgment obviously because as christ is so are we so are we in this world and that's why love that's been the love that's completed everything about us it, what does it do? It drives out fear because fear has torment. And uh, so the enemy, of course, obviously, through his lies and his projections and getting us occupied so many times with our vessel, uh, which with all of us, you know, it's in, it's in the process of uh, our vessels are breaking down. And that's, again, the outward man is, is perishing. We can see that in Second Corinthians three sixteen and seventeen, the outward man is perishing, but the inward is constantly being what renewed, renewed, and that's what Ephesians four and verse twenty three brings out. It's the renewing of our mind, and He wants to refresh us. To renew means to refresh us again of His love, 
and the great joy that he has made ours. His joy, he's made ours. That's what Romans 5.11 is saying. The joy in him, we joy in him because of what he's accomplished in those first 10 verses in, in, in Romans chapter 5. And then we joy in him. And then we to, we're to joy, and then we have that joy in one another. And joy is a result of that fellowship in 1 John 1, 1 to 3, that we all have experientially. See, so uh, and then I become uh, a joint that supplies in Ephesians 4 and verse 16. And then I, as I begin and I grow in him, and remember this steps in growth in 1 John 2, 12 to 14 with babes, but we're his, we're his dearly loved, beloved ones, we're his little technia. And then we grow into manhood or womanhood, as young men and women, and then into a, some form of a spiritual father or a spiritual mom. And this was brought out in a beautiful way, again, in 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2, and that's why we, we never rebuke an elder. That just simply means an older, an older person uh, because of how much love has been stored up in them. And of course, he's storing that up in all of us. And so that's why it says in Ephesians 4 and verse 15, we grow up in, in, in him. And then when we do, we speak the truth in what? In love. And that gives us what? Joy. And again, our joy may be up and down. Sometimes we make joy to be dependent upon our emotions or how we feel. But you do see true joy that is ours, that's been made ours, comes from the Father. And there's no change in that. Now, ours may, but that's why always we have the peace of Christ. Even when the joy may not be there, we still have the peace of Christ because he has dealt with everything about us and Christ is our peace in Ephesians 2 and verse 14. And so because of that, Father, obviously, because of him being propitiated, uh, the, father, uh, the Son propitiating the Father in Genesis 22 and verse 8, he never changes his mind about our, the joy that he has in his Son in us and us in his Son. Never changes. Never. Ours can in terms of joy. But that's why we have these opportunities to hear the word so that we can be renewed. What? In the spirit of our minds. Renewed in the spirit of our minds. And that's what makes necessary in Hebrews 4 and verse 12 for the preaching of the word to separate the soul, self-consciousness. How much joy truly is there really in self-consciousness? And he has to separate the soul from the spirit man. That's what he's doing. He's separating the soul from the spirit man and, and, and who we are in Christ. And, and that's him. he was born, verse 12. And that's what makes it necessary. And so this, this necessity has to do with God's love fulfilled and the joy that he wants us to experience. And when I have that peace and I, and I give him in prayer, I, I give everything to him in prayer with thanksgiving in Philippians 4 and verse 6. Then I have the peace of God, and it's like a sentinel, and it guards my heart. It guards me from going out, and it keeps all that that's out from entering in. And then I have that peace, and that peace there in Philippians 4 and verse 7, the Greek word irene, and it's E-I-R-E-N-E, -E -E, 
And that's a peace that we have, a calm inwardly, the peace that Christ is, the peace that he, that he has, and he's been made our peace. The storms can be raging in this life. It can be, but inwardly we can have this peace. And we do have it because he has made <clears throat> peace. And like, like some inadvertently or through mistakes or through whatever, it's never in, a, in Romans 5, 1 and 2, that let us have peace. No, we have peace. That's the original, because if you read it in its context, to say that we are to let us have peace, it doesn't even make sense with the whole context of Romans chapter 1 through uh, uh, Romans chapter 5, 1 through 21. So it's, that's not, let us have peace, as some have mistakenly said. No, we have peace. We have peace. And so, this is all as a result of God in Zephaniah 3 in verse 17. He joys over us with singing. He sings over us with joy. And he rests in his love. And God, he rests in the son of his love. That's what he's doing. And that's who he's given us. Because the son has propitiated the father for each and every single one of us. And then as we put our hand in the type in Le Leviticus chapter 1 and verse 4, each individual puts their hand in accepting the fact that the, that the Father has been propitiated by the Son, then he becomes, in that sense, our propitiation. And in, in terms of our propitiation, he becomes the advocate. That's First John 2, 1 and 2. My little children, my little, my little loved ones, my technia. My little loved ones, see that you sin not. The original says, you, do, you don't have to sin. It's almost shocking that you, you do because of what great love has accomplished. But, if, but if, if anyone sins, we, Christ, we have an advocate. And he is Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for us, but also potentially for the world. Never says he paid for the sins of the world. Never. It never says in the original. So if you look up 1 John 2 and 2, and you look up in the Koine Greek New Testament, and I can tell you, you can, you can have the fourth edition of that, the Greek New Testament, and you won't find what's italicized in the King James or any other version. I believe it's not even in the New American Standard Bible. That it's not, and, and for the sins of the whole world. In the King James, it's italicized. And again, the, when something is italicized, it's, it's called an interpolation. And an interpolation is something that was there, put for the lack of something better, or it doesn't belong there. And obviously, according to the original Koine Greek New Testament, it absolutely doesn't belong there. It's potential. We can have, all can have the peace that Christ is potentially. Yes, all can. But they have to individually put their hand in, in terms of faith dependence to put their hand on that sacrifice as is brought out in the type in Leviticus chapter 1 and verse 4. And then we see the beauty of those, the lots and what it's teaching in Leviticus the 16th chapter. 
we can see the two lots. One lot was for the Lord, that's the burnt offering. And as a result of what the son has done in dealing with the sin question, father joys over him and he sings over him. And uh, I can only imagine what the songs will be. And, you know, he's training us for that time where we fill in our particular place around the throne in Revelations chapter 5, verses, verses 9 through 12. But we're filling it up. And we're learning our songs in the night, the night of his physical absence in, in Job 35 and verse 10. But he never leaves us nor forsakes us ever in Hebrews uh, 13 and verse 5. He never leaves us nor forsakes us, meaning in Joshua 1, 5, he never fails us or forsakes us. He never does. He never does. That's the lie of the enemy. And misinterpreting proper suffering and understanding proper pain and suffering, you see, and, and what it's working for us, and an intensity of fellowship. And that's what Paul was saying in Philippians 3.10. He said, I want to know him. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. And then you want a depth of fellowship and intimacy and experiencing how God, the, the essential nature of God, which is love, was met by his son. Well, we'll experience it in the, in the sufferings, the fellowship, it says, of his sufferings in Philippians 3.10. And this is what is being brought out here. And God is so beautifully, of course, God, the Holy Spirit, uh, taking the scriptures like only he can and correlating them into a beautiful, full thought for us this morning. And I just think it's so amazing, uh, his love. He had, God has such an essential desire to love. And to do that, he had to give us his son. Oh, and God so loved the world, every, every human being that was fallen and ruined, that he gave his only uniquely one-of-a-kind begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him, place their tr complete trust in the fact that the fa father's been propitiated by the son, and then the father could offer him as the sacrifice, uh, the substitute, and only by him and through him would be reconciled. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only uniquely begotten one-of-a-kind son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish. Perish. And again, perish there is not speaking about annihilation or being extinct, but a continual perishing in hell and ultimately in the lake of fire, where we see in Revelations 20, 11 and 12, we see that where it says the dead, both small and great, standing before him. If they were, if they were extinct and annihilated, they wouldn't be doing that. And so we are so thankful uh, for this and understanding uh, John 3 and verse 16, but understanding John 3 and verse 16 all the way even to the 32nd, uh, the 36th verse. And so the wrath of God does not abide on us. It doesn't because Christ dealt with that wrath and we're all now we have is this love and joy to experience, which brings in which is a result of the peace that God and the rest that God has in us and in his son. And, and this brings out these beautiful truths here. Like only God can do this morning. And, and so 
We are so thankful for these truths and the beauty of them that we have this morning. God's only thought about us, his only thoughts about us, bring in the reality of the fruit that Christ has accomplished in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. See, the love, you know, God is love. That was his essential, his very nature is he delights in us and in, in the love that he has for us. And that's potentially for everyone. And so that's Psalm 37 and verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. What? And he will give you, listen to what it says, he will give you the desires of his heart. What was that? His essential nature, deeply desiring intimate love with us. So amazing when we think about it this morning. And everything that we go through in this life right now in time is preparing us for a depth and intimacy of, uh, intimacy of his love. Again, brought out in Revelations 2 and verse 17 between the individual, you and I, each individually with Christ. Because the body of Christ is made up with particular individuals in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27. And this brings out the beauty, the absolute beauty of these truths. Uh, and that's what, again, in Zephaniah 3 and verse 17, he, he, he joys over us with singing and he sings over us with joy because he's resting in his son as beloved where we're accepted right now we don't have to try to be accepted we are accepted in ephesians 1 and verse 6 we're accepted in the beloved and that means we are accepted in the love that god loves his son with and it's no different that's what first john 4 17 says we're to have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is Christ, so are we in this world. And we're passing through. And that's why it says in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 17, for our light affliction, this oligon, this light affliction, which is but for a moment, this life is a moment, works for us a far more and an exceedingly great and eternal weight of glory. While we don't look at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. Because the things that we're going through right now are temporal. What does that mean? Revelation 21 and verse 4. He wipes away every tear. There will be no more pain, no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. Because the former things, as far as Christ and God is concerned, and Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, are already passed and over. We're passing through them as strangers and pilgrims in 1 Peter 2.11. It's an eternal weight of glory. And that eternal weight of glory, as we close this morning, is bringing out Revelations 2 and verse 17. We were going to, we're going to feast with Jesus Christ on that hidden manner. It's called hidden because it was very personal between the individual and Christ, between them. And now it's over. And nothing ever, for all eternity, will ever interfere with our joy with him for all eternity. Father, we just thank you this morning for the depth and preciousness and the unending eternal love that you have for us and will express now, and you are, and will for all eternity. We just love you and thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.